I was thinking about um, being a being a white guy surrounded by uh, progressive people, thinking about things. Um, I was down in uh, thinking about you know thinking about things. Um, anyone, anyone remember Nat Allister, yeah. producer who's continues to travel and do great things. I don't know if the drum's coming back. That might have been it. We'll see. Um, we were down at this festival in, in uh, Guatemala, and he had a brilliant idea that on top of the uh, shaman-run entheogens, tripped-out trancers, burners, beer, and um, tragic stories of cultural appropriation and genocide, we would also put a show on. So he chose Scheherazade as the theme, and is, I think ended up traveling with the story. I don't know if, uh, uh, Thousand and One Nights, is anyone familiar with that? Fairy tale buffs, heads. Yeah. This, it was this horrible, horrible king, you know, these kings are horrible a lot of times. And he got, he got miffed by a, a, a slighted by a, a love interest that just went the wrong way. It really went south, so to speak. Go figure. Um, and decided that he would take another woman every night and then in the morning kill her. This went on for over a year. And so this the, the kingdom, the the kingdom was becoming scarce with women and he didn't give a shit because he's just an old asshole, you know, just had a had a grudge against all females in life. And um, some sisters hatched a plan. And one of them said, I know what we're going to do. Let's, um, let's get you, Sister Deer, on the docket as the next, the next woman to marry and be killed by this king. But we're going to tell him stories that are so good that he's going to beg you to tell the rest of the story or the next story the next night and spare your life. And in fact, that is what happened. And after a thousand and one nights... He said, well, I'm just, I'm not going to kill you at all. I'm changed now. So, That's where Aladdin came from. It's, Aladdin is in there, Sinbad the Sailor is in there, a lot of great stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so everything's better, right? He quit, quit the destruction. Kind of, you know, go figure. Um, so and I, I, I saw that as kind of a... Kind of like the destruction of cultures, you know, across indigenous cultures across the world, our own as well as everyone else's by the, by the dominator culture spreading its horrid empire roots for thousands of years around the world in different forms. And I uh, wrote a monologue about Scheherazade. And Scheherazade is a sister, but about the king. Well, I'm not going to tell that story tonight. But it, le it brings me to another king story that I wrote, um, thinking, about, <laughs> thinking about the king. Maybe, I've, uh, maybe that'll be performed at some, at some point on stage. But um, this one's called The Floating Kingdom. And it came to me in a workshop I was at with Rosa, Eliza, who's somewhere. And uh, it, it goes like this. Um, you'll be familiar with the beginning. <clears throat> Once upon a time, <laughs> it begins. 
Once upon a time, there was a king with hairs of white, very old man, and he sat in his bedchambers day after day, crocheting and knitting and creating tapestries and carpets. And these carpets depicted all the victories and all the battles and all the conquests of the kingdom and were kind of like his memory pieces. And he didn't do much else. He didn't go out very much anymore. And he just knitted away and loved it. And the walls of the castles were covered in these depicted tapestries. The floors, the ceilings, the walls, completely covered. And the only thing he liked more than this, than this reminiscent tapestry creation, looking back on the kingdom, great kingdom, was his jeweled bauble. He had a, a, a sphere of crystal, totally covered in jewels. And he loved to look at it. And all the jewels were from different treasures and stolen, you know, bits of the, the long reign that he had, he, had, he had, you know, overseen. And one night he fell asleep with this bauble clutched to his chest. And he had the strangest dream. In the dream, a bright bird of ebullient, blazing feathers rose up from the horizon. And in the dream, he pulled from the very hairs of his head an arrow, notched it in a bow, and shot the bird out of the sky. It fell to the earth. He vanished. When he woke up, bauble was missing. His treasure was gone. He looked everywhere for it. Under the covers, under the bed, everywhere. He couldn't find it in a fit. He finally did what he hadn't done in a while. He ventured out of his bedchambers, pulled on his crusty old hunting cap, his old pair of hunting boots, and a robe, and shuffled out into the hallways, which were bustling with people, just busy, people carrying papers, clerical work of the kingdom, walking around everywhere, and nobody would meet his eye. Nobody even seemed to recognize him anymore. What the hell is going on? He walked, he walked down the halls, one hall to another, tapestries covering everything, till he got to a point where he, he didn't even hardly recognize some of the scenery anymore in these things, and finally came to a small room. And in the room, a little mouse was nibbling some crumbs in the corner. And he didn't really know where he was anymore. But he looked around, and he felt a draft. He felt a draft coming, a cool draft. And he pulled back one of the tapestries hanging on the walls. And there was a small window behind it. And he looked out the window. And as far as he could see was blue sky and some fluffy white clouds. Reminding me of an ancient trance song, Little Fluffy Clouds, but that's a whole different story. Okay, a few of you know that one. Um, so the little fluffy white clouds, blue sky, and nothing else. No earth, no trees, no sun, just sky. He looked both ways out the window and saw the fluttering walls of this castle just floating in air. And he heard a voice behind him. Aren't you the king? It said. Why, yes, I am. I thought so, said the little mouse, looking up at him. The first creature that had recognized him 
in God knows how long. I, I, I could use some help, little mouse. I seem to have lost my bauble, and I'm not sure what happened. I had a funny dream, this bird, the arrow. Oh, King, that was foolish, foolish, foolish for you to do. You shot the firebird out of the sky. If you want your bauble back, you're going to have to put it back together. Put the firebird back together. Oh, okay, well, how, how do I do that? You must find the crystal tear of the firebird and bring it to me. Go back to your bedchambers, lift the rug up from the floor, and underneath it is a door. Go through that door and you will find yourself in a different world. It is a beautiful place, but be warned, it is a poisoned place as well. Find your way to the crystal tear, you'll find it there. Go, get going, get going, get going. And the king ran back, made it back to his bedchambers, lifted the rug, and underneath it, just as the mouse said, was a door. He opened the door, stepped through, and he found himself in the most beautiful forest, crystal jeweled fruit hanging from the trees, silver leaves shaking. He looked around, it was absolutely gorgeous. He walked on, birds twittering in the trees, but but not that loudly, really. And he walked on, and the birds, bird sounds fell silent. And something smelled sort of funny. And before he knew it, he found himself at an old, dried-up spring. It, it was a place he remembered from his youth. Oh, of course, he'd been here once before. It was the most beautiful place, golden crystal waters running. He'd sipped some, he sang and danced, clicked his heels, and thought, wouldn't people love some of this? And he'd actually formed a small company and started shipping bottles of water downstream to market. And people just ate it up. The city folks felt great drinking this magic spring water. And, and before you knew it, he, people came to him wanting to buy it. And a, 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 it ended up in the hands of a multinational corporation, <laughs> which specialized in the transport of precious um, resources across the globe. And he kept a few shares. It had helped him make some money and move, make his way into politics with some of that money and finally become king. You know how that works. Uh, Fool a few people, and what do you what do you get? Get to be king sometimes. It's a weird world, isn't it? Um, but it was a mess. Concrete, no spring trickling anymore. Just a drip or two. There's dead trees along the banks. Rust, cement. It was disgusting, and he he just felt felt really bad. And he you know nobody had been taking care of this. I mean shareholders don't know. Most of the time. And he sat down and just cried. He sat on the riverbank and cried. And above him, the, the firebird, way up high, flying by. Weeking, said. And your tears don't help very much, do they? He cried. He looked down where his tears had hit the sand of the dried riverbank. It was a little crystal tear. And he picked it up and he put it in his pocket. And I ask you, do you think that was enough? Do you think tears of regret and grief and sorrow 
were enough to heal the poisoned world. Probably not. And he woke up in his bedchambers, holding the crystal tear of the firebird. Thank God, he said. Get the bauble back. And he ran down the hallway, shuffled with his robe and his hat and his boots. Nobody looked at him, but he made his way back to the little room. Mouse, mouse, I've got the crystal tear. Ah, said the mouse, that's great. And he took it, the little mouse put it in a cauldron, a little pot in the corner, and said, well, we still have to get something else. We need to get the golden talon of the firebird. Go back to your bedchambers, lift the rug, open the door, go through it, and you will find yourself in a very different world. And in this world, you need to find the real child. And you may find that talent. Bring it to me, and we'll see what we can do. Well, the king ran back to his bedchambers and lifted the carpet, went through, shoot, there he was on an... On the beach, it was a gray day, expansive beach with cliffs, an ocean behind him, this sort of gray, like, gray cliffs in a, you know, low sky. And, and there off the cliff, he saw a faint trickle of water way up high, a little waterfall coming down the cliff and then vanishing before it hit the bottom back into the earth. And the beach was covered with tiny creatures, little creatures. They looked like humans, but they were smaller and had bigger heads in proportion to their bodies. <laughs> and the king thought, oh my God, what are these things? And, and, and noticed a lot of them were scrambling up the cliff, trying to, trying to reach the water, but they couldn't make it. They just couldn't get up that high. And uh, he, he ran up to one, and it, the, the little creature came up to him and said, Please, please help us that the waters of life run, but we cannot drink. We're so thirsty. The king said, Well, that might be what it is, but I, I need to find the real child. Have you seen the real child? I, I, I don't know. I, the king looked at the little child, and it had this greenish-blue skin. What in the world happened to you? I, I, I lived outside the walls of your, your palace, and, and you told us the waters were clean. My family desperately needed water, and we drank some, but it poisoned us, and it turned my skin this horrible color. Oh, I'm looking for the real child. Show me where the real child is. And the king ran up to the next one. Please, please, it said. The waters of life run, but we cannot drink. Can you please help us? The king said, I'm looking for the real child. What happened to you? You can't even walk right. Well, the, the wheels of your cart ran me over during a parade, and you saw, but you didn't even stop. Well, maybe true. And the king gazed down into the eyes of this little creature and remembered his own childhood suddenly, remembered being sent to work in the horrible mines with their black, that created the black water or some other job that we like to think is, is sort of the epitome of not a good job and sent there by his father who, who did not care much for him anyway. And he looked at the eyes of this child and he heard voices behind him on the beach said, what shall we do, king? We are here. And he looked 
And to the right and left, as far as he could see, were all of the ancestors of his patrilineal line lined up as far as he could see in either direction behind him. Should we go to war against them? They said. We'll help them with our spirit magic. Well... <laughs> the king had a, had a moment, and he looked at all the creatures, and he realized that all of them were the real children. They were all real children. And he thought, I need to help them out. They're thirsty. Let me help these, let me help these creatures out. And the spirit ghost of his ancestors honestly couldn't do much to help out with that. But he ran forward to the cliff. He scrambled up to the waterfall. And with his own bare hands, he dug a pool of water. He dug a pool where it would, it would pool up and stop. And these little creatures could drink. It dug until he bloodied his fingers. His fingers were bleeding. And he, he heard, way up high, he saw this bright, beautiful bird flying through the sky. He looked down in the pool of water he dug, and where his bloody fingers had touched the water, there was a little talon, a little talon. He reached into the pool and picked it up. And a few of these small children were now able to drink the water. And I ask you, do you think that was enough? Do you think it was enough for one person to dig a pool and get some children some water? What a great idea. Was that enough to fix the thousands maimed? And he woke up in his bedchambers holding this talent. He thought, great, I've got that. Let me go back to the mouse. And he shuffled through the corridors, shoes untied, made it into the drafty chamber. The mouse took it, put it in the pot, and said, but we need one more thing. <laughs> What's that? said the king. We need a golden feather from the firebird. Go back to your bedchambers, lift the rug, lift the door, go through to another world, talk to the great goddess of the waters, and see what she can do. Okay. Thanks, mouse. So the king ran back, lifted the rug, opened that door again, and fell through and found himself thigh deep in ocean. It's one of those oceans that's kind of shallow for a long way, kind of like Lake Michigan. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's, it's like that in places. Shallow, just on and on. And way out in the water, there was a boat bobbing with a figure standing in it with a cowl, a hooded cowl. He looked behind him and he saw not a shore, but just ocean tide had risen up to the level of the cliffs. That little trickle of waterfall ran behind, but no creatures to be seen. He looked back at the boat and he started wading out. Hello, he said, I'm, I'm looking for a golden feather. The figure did not say anything, but he noticed that the boat was full of stars absolutely ablaze, glowing with stars. He walked up, hello, he said, I'm looking. Put over the face, nothing. He really wanted a star. I mean, that was, he never had a star, really wanted that. <laughs> really wanted that. And he, can I, can I, you know, I just, 
No answer. Lord, Lord, just, just, just hand the boat. As soon as he touched the star, all of them went out, total darkness, and then this amazing creature like a thousand grandmothers and fangs and beautiful in his mom's eyes and like, what are you doing? Haven't you stolen enough? I don't know. It's just one of the star. I can put it back. It wasn't even in his hands anymore. You owe me more than that, said the creature. You owe me more than that. How could you possibly repay me? And the king was swallowed up by the great goddess of the waters. Yeah. Right down the throat into the maw, and he became many, many things on that journey. One point he was a sparrow, another point he was a piece of shit, <laughs> another point a little butterfly landing on poop. They do that, you've seen this, you've seen this. Beautiful. One point a leprechaun at the base of a rainbow. Yeah. And when he, when he came to in this place, he felt around. And he, he felt his hair was covered in feathers. And he pulled one out of his head. And he just pulled it out. And he held it out and he tickled the great goddess. Just tickled her. Tickled her. She started laughing. It was, it was a lovely thing. She, she appreciated that, a sense of humor, always surprised by her children in these, these delightful ways. And when he awoke in his bedchambers, a feather was lying beside him on the bed. Well, he thought, I've got the feather, and he jumped up, and he ran down the hallways, past all the people who were zoned out into the nine-to-five workday, and went to the room, gave it to the mouse, the mouse dropped it in the pot and said, now we can do something. And the mouse picked up a wooden spoon that was this long and started stirring and singing songs of bringing back the dead, bringing back that which has passed, that the mouse learned from his grandmother's grandmothers and his grandfather's grandfathers, stirring the pot, singing the songs. And after a while, the king kind of watching over the edge a little bit, suddenly, this beautiful bird rose up. In its talons was the, I can't, I'm on a stool. In its talons was the, the, the bauble, the jewel-encrusted bauble. He dropped it at the feet, flew three times around the room, and out that window, out into the blue sky. The king ran over and parted the curtains and looked out and watched it all the way till he couldn't see it anymore. It was just a speck, and then it was gone. And then after that, he just stared after it for a long time. Well, are you happy now? You got your bauble back, said the mouse. <laughs> but the king was not happy. He was not happy. took his bauble, he walked slowly back to his bedchambers. That night he sat by the fire, and instead of crocheting, he picked off every jewel from his 45 years of, of sovereign domination, 
kinghood and some fun and niceness in there too. And one by one, tossed him into the fire. And when he looked in that smooth ball, that bauble of crystal again, he looked inside and inside he saw a funny thing. Inside it he saw a castle floating in the blue sky. And inside that castle was a bedchamber. Inside that bedchamber was an old man sitting in a chair, looking at a glowing ball of light. And when he fell asleep that night, he had another dream. In this dream, he was soaring through the air, just like the firebird, soaring over his castle, which was on the earth in this dream. Around it, people were dancing ecstatically, celebrating pagan I'm Alive Day, which is all the time, <laughs> around a campfire, singing songs. In a circle. In a circle. <laughs> talking about workshops about circles. They were so happy. <laughs> they were so happy, holding hands. It was amazing. He soared over the castle and flew away into the sky. And the king died that night. And a funeral was held for three days and three nights. And whether they were celebrating his life or celebrating his death, I cannot say. And the mouse was made the new king. Now what do you think? 